0: Something C.S. Lewis said that literally brought me on this journey as we get ready to discuss this important message today when truth is called insanity. C.S. Lewis said these words, When the world is running towards a cliff, he who is running the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. Look at that again. When everybody else is running towards their calamity, their, their demise... He said, the one man that is running the opposite direction is the one that looks like he lost his mind and while everybody else is perishing over the abyss. And what I'm about to do today is I'm about to run in the opposite direction than the masses, not just publicly, but I think even in religion. I will appear today, I'm just gonna state it, I will appear to you today to have lost my mind. But I'm in good company. Jeremiah the prophet told the truth and the religious false prophets wanted him locked up because he said Babylon is coming and now we are under judgment because we've been disobedient. Listen to what the false prophets said. They said you they spoke to the king and said you're responsible to put in stocks and neck irons any crazy man who claims to be a prophet. He was talking about Jeremiah. Jesus who was the truth, had his own family wanted to bring him into custody because they claimed he was insane. I don't know if you remember this, but in Mark 3.21, it says when his family heard about this, with his teaching, they went to take charge of him, for they, his family, said, he's out of his mind. This is Jesus. And then finally, the apostle Paul preached the truth in front of government officials. And the government The government said it was insanity. Listen to it. Acts 26, 24. And at this point, Festus, who is the governor, interrupted Paul's defense and said, Paul, you're out of your mind. He shouted, your great learning is driving you insane. Now I want you to hear Paul's response to Festus, the governor. And Paul said this in verse 25. I am not insane, most excellent Festus. What I am saying is true and it's reasonable. Folks, do you see what just happened here? The governor says what you preach is insane. The apostle Paul says what I'm preaching is true and reasonable. The governor, the government was calling truth insanity. That when someone stood up and preached what is reasonable, what is biblical, and what is true, now we have a society running towards a cliff and anyone who says turn around is thought of to be insane and even legislation brought against that person. That's why I'm just telling you Paul was right as he wrote 2 Corinthians 5.13 and he said these words, if we are... Out of, the, out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. And that's what I'll do today. How many have heard of the phrase, the elephant in the room? Would you raise your hand? Some of you live in families that that is happening. It's the glaring, obvious issue. It's the, the elephant in the room for those that are watching from different countries, means that you've got this big thing in the room that nobody is addressing. They know it's a problem, but nobody wants to say anything so as not to offend. It exists, but nobody is dealing with it. Nothing is more demoralizing to a marriage, a family, a staff, a company, even a ministry, than to have that herd of elephants running around and no one is talking about them. I just kept thinking God didn't make elephants to live in rooms. They are meant for the wild. But when you bring the wild into a room, there is nothing but chaos and confusion. And it's so hard to deal with present issues when nobody is beginning to address the elephants. Nice talk to each other with elephants is not nice talk. It really is a smokescreen that nobody has the courage to stand up. While everybody is dancing around and assuming nobody sees the big elephant in the room. Martin Luther, the one who led the reformation of the church, said this about a preacher. He said, a preacher must be both soldier and shepherd. He must nourish and defend. And to preach, he must have teeth in his mouth and be able to bite and to fight. Well, I've got teeth. And today, we're going to bite and we're going to fight today and allow the Holy Spirit to speak. So let me start with a challenge and let me start with a big question. I ask this question, I've asked it to people both in the church and outside the church, and that's this. What do you do when God's word contradicts your lifestyle? What do you do when what God says in the Bible is not consistent with what you've, how you've chosen to live. Here's my question. Who wins that fight? Who wins that contradiction? I, I, I will many times ask people, I, I go down this level of questioning many times. I'll ask people that I'm in discussions with. I said, do you, first, do you believe in God? And if the answer is yes, then I'll ask them, well, do you believe in God's word, the Bible? And if the answer is yes... And then I'll ask them, what if the Bible says something that contradicts your lifestyle or even your opinion, who wins that fight? And it's amazing what begins to happen at that point. I love what Mark Twain, the great American author, said. He said, most people are bothered by those passages of Scripture they do not understand. But the passages that bother me are the passages that I do understand. Those are the ones that I'm bothered by. Now, folks, listen. When you don't obey what God clearly says, then you are saying you know better than God. That's what you're declaring. When God's word lays out something, if you believe in God, believe in his word, and he lays out something in this Bible that contradicts, and you say, I'll live my way. You're saying you know better than God. You know better than him on finances and tithing. You know better than God on love and sex outside of marriage. You know better than God and what he's, his opinion is on drinking and alcohol and even profanity. And you're saying, I know better than God on sexual identity. 1931, there was an essay written by a Methodist preacher named Fulton Sheen. Listen to these powerful words. I don't want you to miss this. He said, Tolerance applies. Only to people, but never truth. About truth, we are intolerant when it comes to truth. Listen to this. Right is right if nobody is right. And wrong is wrong if everybody is wrong. And here it comes, folks. Don't miss this. And in this day and age, we need not a church that is right when the world is right, but a church that is right when the world is wrong. That's what we need. (laughs) Folks, he's speaking about the man that is running the opposite way of the cliff. He's speaking about the woman that is saying something where everybody else is going, you're out of your mind, it's insane. It's when truth becomes insanity. Now the elephant in the room is where tolerance and intolerance have been absolutely misunderstood and liberal pulpits and churches affirm but the pulpits that seemingly have a voice in evangelical churches around the country have lost their voice that the liberal pulpits have risen up and the pulpits that should be speaking are afraid so as to lose followers on their Instagram but something happened it seemed that during covid something crept into the american mindset and into the nations around the world. I want you to—I just to, to, to pay close attention. Not only did anxiety and depression overwhelm the hearts and minds of people in seclusion and quarantine. But somehow, when America and the nations were left alone with their own thoughts... And their own battles in their mind with the churches closed to some degree, we ended up in a dangerous place as a nation. Listen, we wake up 18 months later, and we didn't just wake up with a vaccine. We've allowed, we wake up and now see biological men playing women college sports because someone said he's a woman. We've told our children that the the decision of your gender is up to you now by just checking a box. And we've sat by idly as both our president and a parade declared we're coming after your children and your children belong to us. I've got words for the parade and for the president. They don't belong to you. Those are God's children. Those are God's children. They belong to God. I am speaking today for your children and for your grandchildren. Do you understand? This isn't a sermon, it's a cry that we need from the church today. And I want to speak to the elephant in the room. Today I want to deal with gender identity issue and the LGBTQ community. I will be the crazy preacher that is running away from the cliff. I want to deal with the legislation that our courts have upheld. And even laws are being made on the West Coast right now as we speak that will criminalize what parents with, with biblical values will choose for their family. I want to deal with churches and pastors that have used their pulpits across this city here and around America to uphold fallacies And a sinful stand and pastors that no longer will preach the Bible, but pander to popular opinion and then chastise those who stand for the word of God. Now, listen, I am not angry. I want you to hear my heart. I am not angry, but I feel an urgency today. I'm I'm not here Wanting to speak because it's going to be liberating. You're going to hear truth today. This is not a message of condemnation, but I believe of revelation today. So for a moment, I am going to be a soldier for the truth, but a shepherd for the hurting and the lost. And if you hear a shout come from me, it's not out of anger, but it's a shout against the lies. that that, that, That I've got to believe, as the great evangelist Billy Graham said, He said this about preaching. He says, you are never preaching until the audience hears another voice. And so everyone listening around America and around the world, I'm praying that you hear the other voice. The voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you today. Now here's what you have to get. Get this down. You can only fight woke America with an awakened church. You can only fight this ideology of wokeism unless the church is awakened. Ephesians 5.13 says, But all things become visible when they are exposed by light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For it says, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The only way the church will be effective is if it's awake. And the only way it can be awake is if it has a revival. And folks, I look at the problems and what we're facing today as a nation. I don't see it as a problem with government. I see it as a problem of the church that has lost its way, that it fell asleep on its watch. We fell asleep. And while we're while we're debating over inconsequential and inessential things. We're debating over certain political things and everything else. We lost We lost the fight for morality. We lost the fight for truth. Because we're fighting over things that God goes, let that go. We've allowed others to tell us how to live and what to accept instead of going back to the source of life, which is God himself. Ephesians 2.2 says it like this, you let the world which doesn't know the first thing about living tell you how to live and i say this to judges and courts and legislation god knows how life works and when god defines something we go with his definition listen truth does not come truth truth does not come from politics a court or a majority vote. I'm gonna say that again. Now, folks, I get it, I know what's gonna happen after this message is over, and I, I don't care anymore. I really don't, I just want, I want you to understand. I knew, I said, God, I know what I'm, what I'm faced with here, that I, that, that, I, I, that I know, but something has to be said. Yeah. Truth is, doesn't come from politics, a court, or a majority. It comes from God, who is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Truth comes from him. That's why I love what the theologian R.C. Sproul said. He said, when God says something, the argument is over. It's done. It's done at that point. I just got an email from a dear friend who's the president of of an incredible Christian college. That now, they're on the firing line to accept this new AI um, and, and this, this new AI technology but it for the religious world. And he's, right now, there is an AI Bible commentary that people feed the, the material into it with, from society and they're asking them to endorse it. And it's this commentary They put in things that Jesus never said. In fact, let me read to you when he was speaking to the woman at the well. It says that Jesus looked upon her with kindness and said, My child, blessed are those who strive for unity within themselves. For they'll know the deepest truth of my Father's creation. Listen to this. Be not afraid, for in the kingdom there is neither man nor woman. That's what it says. And they're asking now the church and the Bible to subscribe to this. This is what's happening. Folks, I understand. I love this city. I love New York City. But I'm telling you, I know I stand in the midst of this. I'm the one man that is speaking as a a city is perishing over. I understand. But you you have to realize you can vote on policy, but you can't vote on truth. It was already established. That's why I say get ready, body of Christ. Get ready, body of Christ around the world and here in New York City. Those that would preach the Bible, we need to get prepared for a time because a persecution is going to come against the body of Christ and against the church. That will stand for this. It is going to come. And it's not far away that the church will be attacked viciously in the coming years. And that's why we encourage you to get into a connect group because we don't know what's going to come. Folks, and here's the good news. You can lock the doors of this church, but I'm telling you, you can't stop the church of Jesus Christ. The church will be stronger than it has ever been. It'll be more distinct as it ever has been, and it will be in the battle of its life, but it will see the power of God like it's never seen it before. So here's what X is. It's when not only we, truth is called insanity, and I'm prepared to be told I've lost my mind like Acts 26 when the government leader of that city called sober truth insane preaching. But today in this biblical worldview for your children and for your grandchildren, for what you're facing, and even next gen and young people today, I want you to listen to me. I want to talk to you about what I consider to be the X chromosome and other fallacies that try to dictate the future and eternity of people. The X chromosome and other fallacies that try to dictate future and eternity. What science is saying and our government and our courts are affirming and upholding is that the lifestyle of those sexual that choose a sexual preference comes because there is a X chromosome, they call it the XQ28 gnome. But they said that that is in every, every person that they can choose what their lifestyle is and their gender is, and it's inside of them. Now, folks, listen to me. If this is true and God exists, then God can't judge anybody for sin. He can't. He can't send anybody to hell. The Bible is, and the Bible is not true because God is making you responsible for something He commands you not to live by. So you can't, this can't work that way. So the elephant in the room is, you cannot believe in God and the honor of his word and believe that the sin is in our genes and therefore cannot be called sin. So what Festus calls crazy in Acts 26 and Paul calls calls sober truth, what's amazing is the governor, that governor has the power, here it comes, to legalize insanity and criminalize sober truth. Let me say that again. So when the crowd runs to the, to, the, to the precipice, it's those in authority that can criminalize sober truth and legalize insanity. Because when you redefine, you undermine all that God has established. Marriage and sexuality has been redefined in our society because God has been redefined by people around us. Courts have legalized and preachers have edited the Bible. And we are being told to be silent and to stand down. (laughs) Those days are done here. Let me just tell you that right now. That's over with. And I want you to listen. I want you to listen. Folks, I'll talk about the battles in just a second. But listen, the Bible... God will come to a point, and I want those that are in authority, those that are part of legislation, those that are part of making rulings, I want you to hear, I want you to think soberly about this, because God has a word for you today. Psalm 82, listen out of the message translation. God calls, listen to the first verse. I'm reading the the eight verses of this chapter. God calls the judges into his courtroom. And he puts the judges in in England, they call the witness stand, the dock. And this is what God says. He says, enough! You've corrupted justice long enough. You've let the wicked get away with murder. You're here to defend the defenseless and to make sure the underdogs get a fair break. Your job is to stand up for the powerless. Prosecute all those who exploit them. And he says, ignorant judges, head in the sand judges, they haven't a clue to what is going on and now everything is falling apart and the world is coming unglued, is what God says. Now listen, just because something is legalized doesn't mean it's approved by God. Just because someone votes and says, yes, you can, doesn't mean that God said those words. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. He says, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, the effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. Hallelujah. This is the big conjunction here. But you were washed. You were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And right after Paul says those words, listen to what he says next. Though all things are lawful, not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but I will not be mastered by anything. Paul goes, don't don't judge on what is called upon or said to be acceptable from a court. he says we as believers live in a higher spot, in a higher plane. We have people that are now preachers that are editing in the sense the Bible. They're, they're keeping out. There's some preachers that are saying you only stay in the New Testament. Stay away from the Old Testament. And now they're cutting and choosing. Well that's not what it meant. That was not written for us. That was not written for us either. And so they're cutting and choosing. Folks, Jeremiah 36 It's not only scary, it's contemporary. King Jehoiakim exists today in the form of of politics, courts, and public opinion. He was the king during the Babylonian takeover. And what did the king do when Jeremiah preached a message he did not like? Listen to this. He preached the message he didn't like, so he cut up the parts of the Bible that he didn't like. Listen to it. When Jeh- Jehudi, that was one of the false prophets, had read three or four columns, the king cut it out with the scribe's knife, threw it into the fire that was in the brazier until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the brazier. Do you understand? He didn't like what was being said, so he cut it apart and threw it away. He figured, if I cut it out of the Bible, I'm not responsible for it. Do you understand? Thomas Jefferson. One of our early presidents spent the latter parts of his life constructing his own version of the New Testament. This is what Jefferson did. It's called the Jefferson Bible. He took a razor in one hand and glue in the other and cut out the parts of the Bible that he didn't like. He cut out in the New Testament all the miracles of Jesus, anything that said supernatural. He cut out references to the flood, the second coming, heaven and hell, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the only thing he had left was 84 pages, and he put them in a beautiful red leather binder. That was the Jefferson Bible. It's exactly what the king here in Babylon, the king in Judah was doing when Babylon was getting ready to invade, and didn't like the message of Jeremiah who said, Babylon is coming, judgment is coming to Judah and to Israel. He didn't like it, so he said, I'll cut that out of the Bible, therefore we're not responsible. So what did God ask Jeremiah to do after they took the penknife and cut out these things? Here it is. Verse 27. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after the king had burned the scroll and the words with Baruch had written. And he says, take again another scroll and write down all the former words. Ron, the first one, that the king burned. He said, get them all back there. He's not going to get rid of it that quick. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. Every preacher, every person, listen to me. If you're sitting here today, even, or listening online, you can try to edit the Bible and cut out the passages, but one thing is true. Jesus said it. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. <laughs> Psalms 119, verse 89. David says, Your word, O Lord, will last forever. It's eternal in heaven. What's amazing is the end of Jeremiah's story. Babylon did come, and instead of saying, You're right, Jeremiah, we should have listened to you, they put him in jail. (laughs) Then the officials were angry at Jeremiah and beat him. They put him in jail in the house of Jonathan and kept him there, made him into the prison. Now, folks, here's what I want you to understand I want you to see where this battle is because there's a bigger picture that's taking place. I'm not railing against one area. There's a bigger battle here that I'm fighting for, that I want to give you something to help you with. The battle today that we're talking about, that we have awakened to, that has awakened in our country and in your country around the world, the battle today didn't start in a courtroom or in a political office. It didn't start on a university campus, and it didn't start in a lab at the World Health Organization. The battle that we are facing today, here comes, started in the minds of people, and then it went to a lifestyle, and then a law. Listen to me. The lifestyle doesn't come from a chromosome. It comes from a battle of the mind that was lost. Here it is, folks. The mind is Satan's battleground, and satanic questions is the strategy to fight it. Let me say that again. I'm going to show it to you in the scriptures. The mind, it's the battle of the mind and the satanic questions that come. This is where it all begins. Do you understand that anytime the Bible shows that Satan himself, Lucifer himself, had a voice and spoke in the Bible? Do you understand when he talks, he ends his sentences with question marks? He doesn't declare, he just speaks with questions. Folks, it happens today to all of us. Has God forgotten you? Is there a God at all? Are you really a man? Are you really a woman? Folks, it could be as simple as this as you're listening to me preach. Do you really want to stay in this church? That's, that's all the question. Listen to it. First time Lucifer speaks, Genesis 3.1, serp- it was in the form of a serpent The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? He speaks to the first woman on the planet. Lucifer, Satan himself, speaks to God in Job 1.9 and says, does Job fear God for nothing? And finally, in the wilderness, he speaks to Jesus. And the tempter came and said to him, if... You are the Son of God. Command these stones to become bread, challenging his identity, challenging people's motives, challenging the word of God. That's the way Satan goes. The battlefield is the mind. The strategy is questioning what God gives to us through his eternal word. Folks, let me let me say this to you. Let me me be as, as as transparent as I can. I faced those satanic questions these last few days. Folks, I didn't want to speak on this. I, I, I would have come up with something more happier on X. Um, extraordinary or excited or something. I would have, but, but do you understand what I... What, I'm going to tell you the questions. I walked through this place and walked through the streets and prayed over the city. Prayed over you, cried for you. I felt the voices coming, the questions coming, and I kept saying, do you want to see people walk out on you? Do you want to lose money? Do you want to ruin the church? Are you even called to be a pastor? Are you sure this is what you're supposed to? Folks, listen to me. We may lose people, we may lose finances, but I am not gonna compromise what is supposed to be said as a church. I'm not gonna compromise when those, it, it's, it is what it is. But that battle is in all of us. That battle we're all facing it. Folks, listen. People have mistaken the church to be some museum or hall of fame. The church is a hospital full of a lot of sick people getting better. And you're looking at one of them. I'm a sick person getting better because of the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, every Every Sunday, I pray four verses because of the mind battles. I sit right down there and face a mind, a barrage. While you're singing words off a screen, I'm just trying to fight mind battles. So don't sit in that section over there. It's it's, it's a a very, listen, every row gets it. Let me ask you this how many how many get attacked during the service how many it's, okay every row is terrible so just under whatever row you sit on you're going to be attacked so let me tell you what i do i i i i have the verses on my phone and i just have to declare the the thoughts will just come it, it happened today you are out of your mind why would you even preach today you understand, why would you even do this today? You're at the finish line of this book, and you're going to mess the whole thing up. It's all happening right there. Right in that section. And here's, here's what I do. I, I, this is my only way out. I quote four verses every single time. First, they say Colossians 3 2. I did it just before, in the middle of your worshiping, while you're singing, while you're singing Jesus for my family, Jesus for my, Jesus in the mountains and on the streets, whatever you're singing. I, I'm, I, I don't even know the words because I'm going Colossians 3 2. Set your mind on things above and not on things on earth. And then all of a sudden I started quoting Proverbs 23, 7. As, far as he thinks, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I, then I started to quote God, then what am I thinking? Then I started to quote Philippians 4, 8. That whatever things are true, whatever's noble, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's ever of good report, and if there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, think on these things. And then, folks, then I, then I give my sledgehammer verse to those crazy rogue thoughts that come, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And it's that last verse that I want us to look at in these last few moments. Here's, here, Folks, here's my revelation for you today. When you became a Christian, you were not just adopted, you enlisted at the same time. When you became born again, you also became a soldier. You weren't just a child of God, you're a soldier of the cross. And we've not done our job to prepare you. Listen, you were adopted into God's family, but enlisted into God's army at the same time. So we say to you, happy birthday. And we also say to you, get ready for the fights. How many know what I'm talking about today? And the church that is ignorant to this warfare and doesn't doesn't train its people with weapons is going to be a defeated church in these last days. Because in this war, war demands courage and persistence and discipline. Something that our daily lives that doesn't even demand we're going to have to begin to step that up for all you men and women that have served so faithfully and so bravely in our armed forces from the army, the navy, the marines, the air force, the coast guard you served us in those you know what it's like when when you come in it's no longer your agenda you can't say when they're giving you, you your uniform you can't say well I like Nike can you just give me like something or Armour? I only wear Under Armour. can you give me some? And they're giving you your boots and you're going, do you have the new Jordans so I can wear those? I like those. And you, and you can't sit there and go, well, I, I really don't like broccoli. I like pizza on Thursday nights. And or, or I'm, I'm, I'm really a night person so I don't get up early in the morning. Let me just, you don't have a personal preference in wartime you realize we're in a battle. We're in a fight. And really what we've got to do is this. Thank God we're adopted. But pick up a sword, we're in the fight of our lives for this last days. And many have accepted that they are a Christian, but not have accepted that they are a soldier. And have missed that Satan's major strategy is to believe the lies that you are thinking and so that's why those, those, the battle comes every day to our minds. Whether you're sitting at a desk, whether you're sitting alone in an apartment, whether you're watching from Finland or Norway, whether you're watching from Cuba or watching from Amsterdam, every day it begins to come. And so I want to take these last few minutes and teach us how to attack that meditation before it becomes a manifestation. David said this, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We have forgotten that the battle of the mind, it can get twisted and the enemy can come in and thoughts, rogue thoughts and thoughts outside of God's word can start to settle when America was secluded, when, when Finland was secluded, when Hungary was secluded and brought into seclusion, the mind started to be attacked, not just with anxiety and, de- and depression, but it started to be attacked with rogue thoughts that didn't know what to do with them and just accepted it as true and just accepted it that it's supposed to be there. And that's exactly what happens when you look at Romans chapter 1. Notice the battleground because you'll see the word think and knowledge of God that's here as the Apostle Paul begins to speak to the confusion of, of even sexual identity that happens in Romans 1. But it starts with the battle of the mind. Listen for the first couple verses. It says this in verse 26. He says, Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their woman engaged natu- in natural sexual relationships for unnatural ones. Verse 27 and in the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men. People want to, I'm telling you folks, preachers don't want to even speak from, on, on these passages and receive to themselves a do penalty. Now here it comes, verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile, this is important, to retain the knowledge of God, didn't think, It was worthwhile, this is an important phrase, to retain the knowledge of God. All of a sudden, God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what they ought not to be done. Folks, listen to me. Listen carefully now. Here's what I want to do. How do you fight this mind battle that comes? A.W. Tozer said it like this. He said, 10,000 thoughts a day pass through our minds. And they try to predict what we will become. Let me say that again. 10,000 thoughts a day pass through our minds. And they try to predict what we will become. 10,000 thoughts trying to predict who you are and what you are. And folks, I want to stop those predictions from coming true. That's why we fight every day. So listen carefully. Here it comes. Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. It is in the mind that the new nature and the old nature are constantly at war. So how do I become transformed, Pastor Tim? You win with the renewal of the mind. Romans 12.2 The word renewal means a renovation has to take place. People who have ever renovated anything knows this to be true. Renovation costs so much and it takes longer than you expected. But here's the fight, and this is where we're going to finish up today. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Here it comes. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so we can bring every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. The Apostle Paul describes the battle of the mind as pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments. Now do you know what a stronghold is? Here's the simplest definition. It's a fortress. It's a word which means to keep things out. What is the fortress or stronghold trying to keep out? Here it comes. What is it trying to keep out? Here it is. God's truth. It's trying to stop God coming. It builds up this wall to stop God from coming in. The messages of our culture are trying to build fortresses of their worldview that stay up a long time and to keep out thoughts about God and to keep out thoughts about what God says about sexuality, what God says about marriage. And society, don't miss this, society wants you to sort with the wall up. Society wants you to sort them out by your political affiliation and wants you to sort them out by CNN and Fox News. Now, folks, let me say this, because I want you to hear this. People ask me all the time, you're from New York, you must be a Democrat. Nope. Well, then you're, you're, then you're a believer, then you must be a Republican. Nope. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen. I'm, not, I'm done with, I'm done with all. So if you're, if you're wanting to put me in a category, put me in citizenship of heaven. Because this is where we come to every single time. We come back down to this. Folks, you have to understand we all are facing, this is not just the thoughts of those that are battling with sexual, we all face these thoughts. We're all facing a battle that's coming. So how do thoughts that come, here it is, how do thoughts become strongholds? Big question here. Here it is. The answer is this, when the thought is raised higher than the knowledge of God. Okay, I'm just pulling this from the scripture. This is what it says. Every high thing that exalts or goes higher than the knowledge. You still with me? Okay, listen, we may be back here next Sunday and there may be like a dozen of you left. Okay, I'm just telling you right now. And, that, and that's okay. I'm okay. We'll put the chairs in a circle. And we'll just... We'll, we'll put them in a circle. And we'll go ahead at that moment. And we'll sing Kumbaya. And How Great Is Our God. And then we'll teach from there. We'll do Q&A. But I, that, that's okay. I'm not preaching this way. I'm preaching this way right now. That's what's happening. How do... Thoughts become strongholds. It's when the thought is raised higher than the knowledge of God. What are, strongholds are thoughts. Here it comes. Get this, get this. Strongholds are thoughts that are going higher than God's word. That are getting higher. That are getting more time, more thought than this. So we have to renew our mind with the knowledge of God to fight the strongholds. Now folks, remember. Remember the Romans 1 passage. They wouldn't retain the knowledge of God. So the rogue thoughts got in to begin to bring the confusion of sexual relations. It's because they wouldn't retain the knowledge of God. So the stronghold exalted itself over the knowledge of God. We're still with me? Where do we get, here it comes, the knowledge of God? From the Word of God. So you get who God is from here, not AI, from here. The Word of God is the knowledge of God. And we have a responsibility, here it comes, to grow in the knowledge of God. How do we know that, Pastor Tim? 2 Peter 3.18 is such a powerful verse, because it's the last verse that Peter gives, and the, and the, and the time that Peter writes it, in 2 Peter, I'm looking at it right now, it's the final verse that Peter gives us, but he writes it at one of the most difficult times to be a Christian. Nero, who was this most anti-Christian uh, emperor at this time of Rome, persecuted the Christians, and, and challenge him it says, if you don't reject Christ, if you don't bow down, he would do horrible things from, from the Colosseum to burning them, all of these things. To, uh, he, he was responsible for hanging, who wrote this? Peter, who crucified Peter, upside down for, for, what, for, for his beliefs, for being a believer. And this is what he said. He goes, This is the last verse he gave to the Christians, living through a, a very difficult time. Grow In the grace and what? Of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Okay, this is what he was saying. He's saying, you're gonna be so plagued with fearful thoughts. They're gonna come. You're gonna need the knowledge of God to go higher than those thoughts. It's gonna be this. Well, just, just bow down, just bow down to this. Just say you don't believe in God. Just it'd be good for your family. You don't want to lose this job. If you and listen, I know I'm speaking to somebody here because what happens is because those thoughts want to get higher than the word of God. When the Bible begins to declare in Romans one, we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do I do when that comes? I got to go, wait, 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 wait here. And I'll explain this in a second. So here it comes. Let me say this. Knowing God is my weapon. Knowing God is my weapon. The knowledge of God is in the word of God. And my knowledge of God must grow because my battles are going to get greater and greater. So how does this work when the mind, not not just with all of us, how does this work when, when the enemy wants to come in And assault our mind. Remember, it's the battleground. And it uses satanic questions. Here's how it works. There's two instruments involved in the renewal and the protection of your mind. Here it is. It's the Spirit of God and the Word of God. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to convict me when a thought contradicts God's truth. Okay, let me say that again. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to convict me when a thought contradicts God's truth. How how does this happen, Pastor Jim? Okay, have you ever gone through that TSA check lane at the airport and there's a bottle of water and then all of a sudden the alarm goes, you can't take that in there? That's over three and a half ounces or you have your shampoo in there. Or you have your, your perfume or your hair product. And it says, that can't pass. through. The alarms go off and you can't take it in. So it's exactly what it takes. Like a TSA checkpoint, it says all of a sudden a thought comes in and the Holy Spirit says, that can't go through. The journey that you're on, that thought is rogue, renegade, and trying to exalt itself higher than God's word. Alarm goes off, God goes, get back to this, because if you take that thought on this journey called life, it's going to bring chaos to you right now. And so God through the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. See, some here's what happens. You know what happens? <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble. I don't care. Here's what happens. I'll start speaking like this, and there are people that are want, you're dying to get up and find a new church. Because what happens is this is this is the part, that's not me. You're not angry with me. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you and going, wait. Something is, happening. folks, listen to me. I'm telling you, when, when we don't attack those thoughts, when you, here it comes, when you fill your mind with God's words, then there's no room for Satan's lies that happens. Okay, test case, test case. This is coming from a, 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 a heart, a soldier of truth, a shepherd for, the, for lost and hurting. Here it is. Here's a test case. So here, the, the rogue thought comes in because you're, you have a questionnaire in front of you. And it just simply says, it says this. Here it comes. It says, the question says, about your birth, are you male or female? Now, I've got these rogue thoughts. What do I do at this point? I've got to get the word, the knowledge of God higher than that questionnaire that is telling me that, I've, that I choose what my gender is. I know this, I know you're angry with me. That's okay. This is, this is I'm, I, I know I'm on solid ground, so I'm not, you can shoot daggers at me, you can do whatever you want, I don't care right now. Okay, here it comes. So the word of God goes, what's the word of God? Here it comes. And he answered, this is Jesus. Have you not read that he created them from the beginning, male and female? So here's, here's what Jesus was saying wait a second, I can't let that thought go up. I can't check a box from my gender. It's Jesus already checked the box at my birth. So when the thought comes, am I really, ama- all of a sudden you go, no, 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 no. Thought I can't let that thought get in the way. I've got to let God's word go higher than that thought, or I'm going to find myself in this battle that's going on. Folks, I know this is, this is, those, okay, here's, here's, I got to explain it. Okay, let's, let's get ready to close. Mark, come, let's get ready to close. I'm, I, some of you are going, no, I'm going, yes. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm talking about? The strongholds are trying to block out the truth. So it's trying, it's trying to raise up arguments against this the arguments that are trying to get up higher to exalt itself higher than the knowledge of god that was happening to me it's what was happening to me down there you're nothing you can't do this you're out of your mind i'm going exactly i I knew i was insane to do this but i just go but but so was jeremiah so was jesus and so was paul so i said so if I'm in that group, if I'm in that group, I don't need the approval of men if I'm going, I'm in a good group. Jeremiah, Paul, and, and Jesus, I'm in, I'm in a good group. So here it comes. So let me just speak New York for just a second. Let me speak New York uh, lingo for just a second. I grew up on Long Island, and so I grew up when malls were a big deal. We had one mall that we'd always go to. It's was called Roosevelt Field. And... Um, I didn't realize this until years later that Roosevelt Field was actually an airfield. And it was from that Roosevelt airfield that Charles Lindbergh flew the first transatlantic flight from Long Island to Paris, 33 hours. Um, That took the first plane from from the invention of the Wright Brothers and then finally someone was brave enough to take it from Long Island, New York for 33 hours, Charles Lindbergh the spirit of saint louis all the way to paris many others attempted and failed but i was reading the story from uh from a book and a preacher that i love his name is clarence mccartney a great methodist preacher from the early 1900s uh, some of his books i've just loved he has one book called the greatest words in the bible and human language so powerful i remember reading the story that mccartney tells of one of those men that wanted to make the transatlantic flight like Lindbergh. I couldn't remember if it was before or after. So he takes off from the U.S. and he's going to go transatlantic and show that it can be done. And he says, McCartney says that while the plane takes off from the stateside, just a few minutes in the air The pilot hears sounds in the cockpit, and when and it wasn't engine sounds, but he looked down at his feet, and out of reach on the floor is a rat. Listen, us New Yorkers, we go like, yeah, that's that's part, that's just part of our lives. Rats and pigeons. We just those are, that's that's our state animals, and so that's just what we got here. We just. When it comes to those two, we go, we got those. We got those down. Um, And he said he couldn't reach it because it was too far underneath the the cockpit and it was gnawing away at the instrument panel wires. He said, if I don't do something, I'm going to crash into the icy Atlantic and I'll die. And this rat is gnawing away it's chomping away and starting to, to 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 literally put things in a dangerous place so the pilot goes what do what do i do at this point point?" and then it hit him this is what happened he said i can take it up to an altitude where rodents can't breathe where rodents can't exist he said so what he did he throttled up and all of a sudden brought that plane to a place he couldn't fight the gnawing rat but he brought it to a spot that that rat could no longer nibble and take away his control panel that was going to begin to guide him to the right place and folks i am telling you those rats are in our mind nibbling away every single day you're no good you can't do this you're not good enough to be a Christian you can't go to this church you need to leave this church. you need to leave God you need to do it. and all of a sudden you're going what do I do what do I do here it is throttle up all of a sudden you go let me take let me take those thoughts to a place that they can't exist and when those thoughts get underneath the word of God it is an atmosphere that those thoughts cannot live those thoughts cannot exist and I'm telling you when a rogue thought comes throttle up church get up to where God wants you and let God take you to new heights stand with me That's the fight. That's the fight. We don't play with those thoughts. Some of you are trying to play with the rat. Throttle up. You can't beat that. Your life means nothing. Nobody cares about you. Commit suicide. Throttle up. God loves me. He has a plan for my life. He has something he wants to do deep inside. Throttle up to that point. Take take the word of God and get to the place you're supposed to be. Some of you have been fighting these nibbling thoughts. That what they have done is they've taken away your control panel. You don't even know the direction. You don't even know, and folks. That's why I just I've cried for 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 this next gen. That the rats have nippled away of the most basic thought of even just sexual identity. Nippled away. I'm not not angry with people. I'm not angry with you. I want to get the control panel. I want to connect the wires again and go, listen, here's what God, let's take it up higher. God loves us. God has a plan for you. God has created you in his image. God has a plan for your life. God is gonna use you today. So once again, here's the news flash. Look at us on this. This is not a museum. And we're not a hall of fame. How many up here would agree with me? We're just sick people getting better. How many would agree with me? I'm I'm a sick pastor getting better. That's all I am. And every day he renews my mind. Every day, he says, throttle up, Tim. Throttle up, Tim. Just go up high. Those thoughts that are trying to... 10,000 thoughts you're being fought with today. This is not a word simply to say, for, to speaking to one issue. It's for all issues. There's some of you here, whether it's battling suicide, whether it's battling anger, whether it's battling even the, the feeling of that, that God doesn't exist, God's not there. This is, a, this is a moment here at this church to say, come, come come with those crazy sick rogue thoughts lay them at the feet of jesus and then then we do this then we're going to leave like this throttle up and we're going to take them to a higher place i'm going to say those crazy thoughts can exist when all of a sudden i take the word of god and i place them over them They can't exist. That's exactly what I do. I sit right there and throttle up every service. You think I'm singing. I'm not singing. I'm throttling up. Well, you think he's going like, he's singing those cool songs. Mm -mm. I'm not even paying attention to what Ricardo or Elder Vicky is. I'm going like, God bless them. I'm in trouble. And so those songs can't... I love these songs. But they can't... They're not the ones that stop the rat. They're not the ones that, this is it. Okay, look at me. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever said this in my life. This is rat poison. (laughs) I don't think I've ever said that in my life. This is rat poison right here. When all of a sudden, I'm going, I'm going, here, come here little rat, come here little rat. Here you go, here you go, take some of this. Bam, I'm in a new place now. God has just set me free. Oh God, you know my heart. I believe your word. I've never called your word that in my life, Lord Jesus. So just help me right now. I'm not sure if that's the anointing or the flesh. But whatever it is, God's going to set you free from those rogue thoughts right now. It's not just a thought. It could be a thought of suicide. It could be a thought of depression. It could be those things that have just entered in. And you need to take those thoughts up higher. How many are facing that battle right now? How many are facing that battle? Quickly, if that's you, get out of your seat and come down. I want to pray for you. Come on, get out. Balcony, come on down. Come on. I want to pray for you right now. As we sing this, come on, let's just sing this. As you come, I want to pray for you. Quickly, come.
1: Come. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah! 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 Listen, those at this altar, would you just look at me just for a second? Listen to my heart here, just for a moment. Some of you've been so pounded; they pound those thoughts pound, and it's and and you feel like the only thing I could do is just give in. It's just given. It must be true because it keeps coming, sweetheart. He's his hand. He, God loves you so much. That's such a beautiful smile. And god what's your name fail, fail? With, a v. with a v veil and i believe today god those thoughts that have come god is going to come and you're going to throttle up today and you're going to go to a new place god is going to come he's going to come and do it for you he's gonna come in, cause they're gonna pound they're gonna pound and you're gonna feel like you're gonna feel like i can't do this i can't do and you're gonna give in god's gonna go no 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 those thoughts are trying to exalt itself higher, but you you're going to see God's word today. It's gonna to, it's gonna get up higher. It's gonna get up higher for you. He's got it for you. He really does. And I want you to hear my heart. My heart is this. I my heart is so broken for those that, that that struggle with even. Am I a man? or am, My heart struggles with that. I'm not here to pound against that. My heart my heart is broken for that because it's trying to take away from a generation and bring such confusion to them when God has already decided the world is allowing confusion where God goes I've made the decision already I've done it and what God is wanting to do is just to go all you have to do is just walk in a peace and a calm because I've already answered questions that you're trying to figure out He's answered the questions for you that you're trying to figure out He's answered those questions sweetheart He's answered them. He's got something so special for your life. He does. For you, he's got something so special. And so what I wanna do is, I just wanna pray for you. I wanna, just for the next few moments, can we just, church, would you just stretch out your hand? These precious people, the pounding has come. The pounding has come. It's come. Father, today, the winds, the waves just keep pounding, keep pounding. And this seems like the strongholds are getting higher, and God is getting even in distance, and God is getting more unclear. But today, we begin to declare your scriptures today. We declare over these precious people right now, in Jesus' name, I declare 2 Corinthians chapter 10 over their lives right now. And I pray the pulling down of strongholds to come right now, the casting down of arguments, that every high thing that has exalted itself against the knowledge of god in their life and what god has said about them i believe today that this is going to be a day of victory for them that you are going to begin to break bring breakthrough for their lives that lord those thoughts have gotten too high they've gotten too high and god is seeming like so far now god come close to them let them know that you see them you love them there's a plan for their life so we come against suicidal thoughts we come against confused sexual identity we come against depression we come against anxiety we come against right now anger we come against those that have just lost hope and are giving up that says there's no hope for my marriage but God you're going to set them free for those that are watching even right now Lord God in Barbados and those that are watching right now in norway those in sweden those around the world in the philippines and in indonesia we say set them free today oh god send freedom around the country from california to texas send freedom in louisiana and in illinois send freedom right now in jesus name to connecticut and new jersey we say set people free god let this be a throttle up day throttle up that they would go to new heights, oh God. A brand new day for them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let me say this. We're going to sing and then we got we gotta, this volunteer fair we got to go to, which is very exciting to me. I love you. I love you. That's just. Let me say this. Tim Keller, who is a pastor here, at at one of the great churches here in New York City, he's gone to be with the Lord just a few months ago. He said this, this, it's so it's at first when I read it, I was going like oh yeah. This is what he said. He said, Here's the gospel. You are more sinful than you've ever believed, but you're more loved than you ever dared hope So when you think, am I sinful? You're way sinful. I'm way sinful. <laughs> But here's the good news, you're more loved than you've ever dared to hope for today. You're more loved than you've ever dared to hope for. So here's the, here's the first step of winning this battle, whether you stayed in your seat down here, whether you're watching online. I can't let you go without giving you that opportunity, not just for the knowledge of God, but you need the salvation of God. You need to be born again. The greatest, the, the way that you get off the runway, is by being born again. God come into my life and changed me. And the thoughts, you know what's happened to some of you? The rats have spoken. God can't love me. He doesn't know what I've done. How can he ever live? That? How many know about those rats? Anybody know about those rats? Not the New York ones. I'm talking about the spiritual ones. And so, he's encouraging you today to say, start a brand new life with me. Start a new life with me. But I'm, I'm so sinful, right? But you're loved more than you've ever hoped for by God himself. I, I, I wanna just take you on a quick prayer journey if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I want God. I've got to get this plane off the ground. I can't go to New Heights unless I'm off the ground. And the way you get off the ground is Christ come into my life and change me from the inside. If you've never done that, I'm not inviting you to a church or a religion. I'm invite, inviting you to the greatest relationship you'll ever know in your life, which is to be born again to have Christ come in. If you're saying, Pastor Tim, would you pray for me? I wanna be born again today. I want God to come in and change me from the inside out. If that's you, without any hesitation, just raise your hand, say, put me in that prayer today. Hold them up high, because I wanna see it. Yes, 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 yes. Gotcha, there, 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 there. Gotcha, there, 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 there. I wanna make sure, gotcha, balcony, 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 yes. Come on, can we all pray this together? Let's all say this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe You're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven and a purpose on earth and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. The Bible is my guide. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this
1: message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.